Oh, thank heavens. Day drinking. Okay. Yeah, Hutch, what annoys you? Breaking plans annoys me. I don't like doing it, and when other people do it to me, I get especially frustrated. Is this your way of apologizing for not turning up yesterday when we were meant to do that? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm partially apologizing for yesterday. Oh, don't you worry. I mean, when you do a podcast, you have to want to be here. Because otherwise, the things that you talk about is just not, you know, the heart's not there. Anyway, let's move on. Right, introduction. Hello and welcome to another podcast by Cedric Suggests. Today, the Knights of the Oblong Table have the enormous privilege of being joined by Miss Effie Delaney. Effie is a trans icon and rising Instagram sensation. (laughs) Today, she will educate us on the realities of transitioning from one gender to another. These include a litany of often untold problems. This podcast aims to shed light on the truths of being trans. With me today is Butch Hutch from Texas Alicante, the beast from the east, Bahashkar, who's here, a Satanist with no S, because actually you're no longer a I've Satanist. I've been converted what from one f- religion to another. <laughs> you're, you've, uh, you're trans-religion, <laughs> which is something we'll talk about actually, because there's, there is such a phenomenon as trans-racial now. How, how do we refer to you now? Adomus. Oh, the name has been said. <laughs> after a long time. A long time. After since after editing <laughs> me saying it out some 30 <laughs> times. Any idea how many times I had to edit out your name? Now, I'll put the fart noise. And so. repl- <laughs> replacing it with? Of course, we replaced it with a fart noise half yeah. the time. I, I apologize <laughs> to all of our listeners who are only here for the fart noise. <laughs> That'll be a lot less common now. I mean, we could just put them in randomly. I'm going to put one in now. <laughs> do you know what an additional just before we get into the nitty gritty of this uh, this momentous podcast do you know how many fart noises I had to listen to before I found one that wasn't just sick the one who represents me the one that the one <laughs> that you hear and think of me when we all have our unique flatulence in fact it's it's a bit like a signature <laughs> anyway, so far less graceful moving on from flatulence to <laughs> transgender realities. So smooth transition. Miss Effie, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Effie Delaney and I'm from Donegal in Ireland and I will not be surprised if no one knows where that is <laughs> because it's very rural. I started transitioning whenever I was 19 years old, so two years ago. How long do these transitions generally take? It's different for everyone there's the medical side and the social side and not everyone chooses to transition medically which is their own choice that they might not want to transition medically so that would be either taking the hormones to make them their preferred gender or even the surgery the surgery which everyone dubs it not everyone wants to get that which is just a personal choice. And it's interesting that there's a dichotomy between medical and social transition, which I hadn't considered before. You can transition socially, but you don't have to transition medically. The other way around, I'm not so sure if that would really work. I wouldn't really have heard of anyone who would transition medically and not transition socially, because that just those are the two main aspects to it anyways. It's usually socially first, Okay, so for for example, transitioning socially for a male to female like I, that would just involve making myself look more female and choosing a new name and new pronouns and or preferred pronouns. Well, just looking like the person I am, becoming more comfortable with myself. Not going to lie, but I have met, met a few female to males and it almost seems easier for them transitioning I, I don't know why it just seems more acceptable they seem to go under the radar mm. a lot a lot more for transgender people there's this term called passing it's a goal yeah for me a male to female it's to pass as a female not as a transgender female just a female that no one would ever guess that I am transgender it's a bit of a weird concept it puts an awful lot of pressure on you, awful lot of pressure on you to look and act a certain way. 
it's just it's really uh, not fair feminism today it's rejecting the traditional feminine ideals of how a woman should look and act and that's not expected for a transgender woman you're supposed to become as feminine as possible almost as if you have to try and prove that i am transgender it's very very exhausting it's very exhausting the whole trying to pass especially if you're transitioning after puberty you'd have to be shaving your beard all the time wearing full face and makeup having your hair done like a celebrity and having the perfect figure and like wearing padding and breast forms and like all women really like all like all women yes all cisgender women so mm -hmm. people who are born the right gender and right sex are really expected perfect, yeah. to look a certain oh, way yeah. but they're allowed to reject those ideas but it's not the same it's not expected uh, with transgender people it's almost like you're not allowed to do that anytime that I have a hint of masculinity showing it is pointed out to me straight away like no no one holds back if my beard shadow is shown through my makeup one day no one will hold back in pointing that out or if I don't have the perfect hourglass figure I'm told to change just to fit people's ideas of femininity. Can I ask, is it more men or women who point that out to you? It would definitely be more men or maybe it just seems like it would be men who point it out more just because they have such a brazen way mm -hmm. of getting it across. Yeah. Like they would, they would have no problem being like, Oh, like, look at your beard. <laughs> that kind of way. But yeah. woman would be more like, um, you know, uh, there's like a, a little bit, just thought I'd let you know, that kind of way. So like women are more tactful with it. Women are definitely more tactful with it. That's in my experience, yes. So you said something quite interesting, which is looking like the person I am, as opposed to looking like the person I want to be. One does not simply become trans one is trans and so, and this goes to the heart of the disjoint between a female mentality and a male physicality how does one in your experience realize that they are trans when does it become apparent that you're not the gender that you were born into what i find is that people seem to really overcomplicate the whole issue on how you come to awareness that you are transgender. I remember I had a lot of internal conflict. I assume you know what gender dysphoria is. Mm -hmm. Just for the people it's at home. For the people at home who don't know, gender dysphoria is the discomfort or the distress that comes along with the wrong gender being assigned at birth. Or a different gender to your sex basically mm. or being transgender gender dysphoria it's made out to be where you're constantly in hysterics absolutely dying to become the other gender when it's not like that at all for some reason people think you come to the realization of oh i am transgender that it's it's not like that that's how i thought it would come along it's always been I've just thought, like, I am a woman. Everyone asks, how do I know that I am trans? That's like me asking you. Like how do you know you're a man? How do you know that you are men? I assume there's never been a time where you've come to the realization that, oh, I am a man. Like there's always that just... idea that there's some revelation that hits mm. you at some point in your life, and that's when you knew. Yeah. But in truth, a lot of times, it's just always there. Like, it's always present. You've mm -hmm. always known. When you're asking, when did you know you were a man? You just think, well, I've always known. It's always been like that. Exactly. And which must mirror the way that you feel. That's exactly how it is. It is made out to be the most complicated process, but it is just as simple as I've always just known. It's just been that way. It's just always been that way. Like, when have you ever come to the realization that, oh, I am a man? It's, no, it's, it's not no, like that. No. And that's exactly how it was for me. 
growing up I just always knew that I was a girl and that was it that was it I was well like my physicality is male that's whenever things started to become complicated could you clarify the disjoint and this is B's question actually the question is could you clarify the disjoint between a female mentality and a male physicality how does that work because that's the most confusing thing how would you mean the disjoint you are a woman you accept that you're a woman because you've always been a woman that's how it is but i have a male physicality how does that work that's the disjoint it never ever occurred to me that oh this is not a normal way of thinking but whenever i started to hit puberty i was comparing myself to all the other girls and never compared myself to the boys because I was always thinking why on earth are are their breasts grown and not mine or why are their hips getting wider and why am I so tall I was always comparing myself to the females and wondering why I never had these female aspects I just thought really that I had low self-esteem or I was insecure about my body but I was so just it wasn't even that I was uncomfortable with the way I looked I was so disgusted by the way I looked it's not even that I didn't feel pretty or feel attractive it just didn't feel right I just always knew there was something very wrong whenever I'd put on clothes I'd always be shocked whenever I wouldn't see a female silhouette in the mirror you just you just know that it's wrong the only way I could really think of how to maybe get a cisgender person to understand is going back in time to whenever you started to hit puberty and you were all running around with your male friends playing football like this is such a gender Complete stereotype, stereotype yeah. it's such a stereotype I'm just in our experience in, in their experience <laughs> and I'm just trying to get a point across whenever you were younger and you were in a friend group of all boys doing you know manly things whatever that is whenever you all start to hit puberty and you're seeing all your friends growing facial hair and getting taller but then you're not growing any taller and you're growing breasts Hmm. and like your hips are widening and your 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 cheeks are getting puffy you'd be thinking why why don't I look like them why is this not happening to me Mm. and that's exactly how it was for me because I was always in a friend group that was just all girls always I was always doing just really stereotypically feminine things all the time and it was never forced everyone just thought that I was a gay male but it just went beyond being a gay male because it was Mm. just so natural if that makes any sense. This was a question that was sent in to us. Are you apprehensive of being seen as a gay man as opposed to a trans woman? That's that's something that really, really bugs me, is being seen as a gay man. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's absolutely nonsensical. What gay man would go through the whole medical side of transitioning why why it just doesn't make any sense to me why would a gay man do that and being seen as a gay male as well sexuality and your gender have no correlation Mm -hmm. what i get asked a lot is oh so you're transgender so does that mean you like men now that just has nothing to do with anything of my transition because that's like saying oh that you're a girl so that must mean you like men because all women like men of course not yeah as, i think yeah. too often there's a conflation of sexuality and gender with mm. each other when in truth and i mean it's been used for all sorts of nefarious purposes in politics but the truth of the matter is that they're wildly independent of each they're other really, they're completely really different spectrums and scales this was our next question there is a difference between gender and sex. Complete. There's no no relation. No relation. Absolutely none. Gender is what? Gender is your identity. It is who you are. 
And sex is... And sex is... Or, or morphology, or, or biological... Do you mean sex or sexuality? Sexuality I'm coming on to. I mean sex okay. as, in, well, as in birth sex. Sex is just your physicality, and that is it. So your phys- there is a disjoint between your physicality and your identity. Yes, And that is. is really important to recognize. It's very important because, well, like me, for example, like... You are the only example we have. Yes, the only example. But if there wasn't a disjoint, then I wouldn't be transgender, I suppose. Interesting. I still think the whole idea of sex is arbitrary in a lot of ways. You know, it's pronounced at birth by a doctor... And sometimes it isn't clear with genitalia what's going on. Of course. There is the phenomenon of ambiguous genitalia. We were talking about this yesterday. Which is intersex. Intersex Mm -hmm. people are neither one nor the other. But people are still assigned a gender regardless. You know, it's the the pink or the light blue. (laughs) They have to get the balloons. Yeah. It is interesting that we are ascribed roles from birth. And Python did a joke about that. A boy or a girl? Now, I think it's a little early to start imposing roles on it, don't you? So it's interesting because you said that pre-puberty, one in your experience would do these stereotypically gendered actions, but does that mean that pre-puberty is sort of a gender no man's land where you get to experience both stereotypical spectrums and then decide and puberty is the time where you have, you realize either I'm one or the other in my case that's what it was there's a lot of arguments to not let children transition medically or socially because they don't know but I did know whenever I was a child from a very very young age from as far as I can remember I was always so interested in playing with the princess dolls instead of uh, the action man. <laughs> My favorite superhero, action yeah. man. Action <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah, I was just so, so stereotypically feminine. I was always watching Barbie and just wanting to, like, I'd always cry whenever I'd go to McDonald's because I would always get given the Happy Meal with the boys toy instead of the girls toy. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. I need the girls toy. <laughs> With children, they can go through phases of experimenting, like, you know, a boy wearing his mother's high heels. Like, I don't know one little boy who hasn't done that once for fun. But there's a lot less pressure, you know, as a child to conform to gender stereotypes, gender roles. And so that gives you an opportunity to, you know, experiment with these ideas. Exactly, yeah. This leads us to a general question for the panel. Where does personhood originate? And this was B's question. We had a very long argument about it in the middle of a field. <laughs> you were asking, where does the I come from? Where, when I say I like this, what do I mean by that? What, what do I mean by the I? Where is the essence of personhood? So, Hutch, where, where does your I originate? Well, I don't think that uh, personality is predetermined. I think everything you do in life changes your personality, and especially at a young age, you know, experiences can have a lasting impact on you so i think your eye is always being developed everything you do everything that happens to you Uh in some way shapes who you are and you know if you look back at who you were when you were four like Mm -hmm. even 14 you're a completely different person now and that's because you've experienced more you've understood more about the consequences of your actions and how you affect other people I think, like, when you grow up, you start out as kind of like a solipsist, where you're the only person who you can really believe exists, but it's only through interactions with other people Hmm. and just living and seeing the world that you can really begin to understand that everything is real in this world, that you aren't the only person who exists, that everyone is a person and everyone exists. It's closer to your compilation of thoughts. My my belief is that when... A person asks themselves, what am I? What is my personality? Where does my personhood come from? Where does the essence of who I am come from? For me, the answer is similar to Hutch's. Who you are is a culmination of your combined experiences. So, who I am can be quite easily seen if you watch any Dame Edna any Grace Jones, any Liza Minnelli film, you just see aspects of them because they were my biggest inspiration as a child. 
that combination of factors, in addition to everything that I've experienced, all the hardships I've been through, all of the trials and tribulations of my life, has made me into this sort of battle-hardened, weary person that I am today, who's incredibly impatient. Quite the cynic. I'm impatient and cynical, and I'm impatient and cynical because you have made me impatient and cynical. World. This is to all of you listeners. You have done this to Cedric. All of you. It's all your fault. But it's true, you know, I believe that our personality is, is a formation of the culmination of our experiences. But B thinks that there's something more to that. You both are saying that it's a compilation of your, you know, learning and experience and whatever it mm. is in your brain. But if I take Effie's case, if she is feeling the way she, she felt, that's somewhere from a further point because that that we can't say as a compilation of a thought and experiences because it started at a previous point well i mean i don't remember everything i've done that shaped my personality but it doesn't mean that those things didn't uh, happen or didn't affect me i mean like the argument is when perhaps you're born and you always are going to be the same way uh, it's a nature versus nurture no, I, argument I, I'm, perhaps i'm not saying that it does not add up to your mentality mm-hmm. it does add up every act every experience add up to who you are mm-hmm. but the seed of who you are starts rather than at the back of zero uh, if i'm not able to explain my i think i understand what you're saying probably, i mean because children often develop their personalities a couple of months after they're born they're, mm. that's where they really start to exhibit personality for the first time yeah, yeah. and it's tough to argue that those personalities are caused by their own actions because everything that they've been doing up until that point that's the first point is that pooping and screaming <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it the point that i was trying to make is there is something that you from your womb or something that the seed you carry on the feeling that she is always feeling like that without any experience without doing anything mm. it's more of a like expression of a soul or spirit what you're saying is there's a more profound there is a more depth rather than your brain i mean your yeah. brain emits from something from something who you are originally and your feeling and, and the deeper sexuality or these are like very in-depth things and it emits as a reflection of that thing and then your experience and whatever it culminates and it I mean the so, word, this goes so deep it's, it's yeah the word personality in this regard to me becomes a bit superficial it's more of a personhood personality is something that is learned developed and you know but it's more of a personhood yeah, what, as opposed yeah. to what you're like why you are like person or you could argue personality is just a distortion uh, like a translation mm-hmm. of your inner self into the exactly. outer world and that's so the it. question is what makes that inner self exactly. translating that's out? the question exactly what, yeah where does yeah. your personhood yeah. originate this, this is a better translation of my thought process like personality is something a manifestation of your personhood that you develop to interact with this world the experiences and whatever you get you try to manipulate your personality to get fit into the external world this personality is a manifestation of your personhood or who you are originally you felt like that since you were born the time since you as far as, I can as, far remember, as yeah. you can remember you could have either done two of the things that you could have modified your personality to suit the outer world or rather revolt with your personality to get to your personhood i mean you love your personhood more you could have acted or whatever it is and lived in that instead of that you chose to be the one you originally feel right yeah yeah it's a big question (laughs) this is a bigger question than just what makes us the way that we are because of course personality is very easily distinguished and you and if you had a time machine you could pick apart the moments in your life where you've changed the, the the things that have culminated to make you who you are but the real question is, how do we even have the ability to be sentient and recognize who we are? How do we even have the capacity to experience these things? And exactly, it is mind-blowing. Uh, I don't like, think we can. I don't think we can. <laughs> we can't. And we can't answer that question here, I'm afraid. We are limited as human beings by our experience. That's where we were getting to on the fields. That's where we were getting that to. This journey starts way behind the point where our brain started or we started comprehending our brain the point is beyond us so we are, we are kind of unable to 
see when this all started. Wait, yeah. I feel like there's two conclusions in the end. Mm-hmm. Like one is that there is something greater inside, and the other is that it's just random chemicals going off yeah. in your head. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know if either is a particularly satisfying. Maybe there is a third alternative, yeah. and I don't know. <laughs> the, big, the big problem is that we can only, as human beings, identify feelings, thoughts, objects, because we've identified them before, or because somebody else has identified them before. The only way that we can comprehend anything is because there is a counterfactual. B was saying, light is an absence of darkness, for example. Everything that we understand is as a result of there being a counterfactor, something that you can measure the thing against, some sort of standard upon which to, to comprehend things. And that's why this is a very difficult question, because we don't understand all the parameters. We can only comprehend as much as, as we are allowed to because of the parameters of our brain are only set up to understand what we've seen or what other people have seen. So what we've done is quite interesting because we've, we've started small and we've gone and now we're big these. and now we're going small again. <laughs> it's quite spectacular. So there we are. Art. Life imitates art. Subscribe. So <laughs> Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> so here's a, an easier question. How does one go about medically altering their gender from um, male to female? In your experience. In my experience. And living in rural Donegal in Ireland it's been a bloody terrible experience but really what you're supposed to do is well first you have to come to the realization yourself you don't necessarily have to be quite sure but at least talk to a therapist who is able to deal with transgender people and that is very very I need to stress that you can't just talk to any therapist. Mm. Not all are trained in dealing with transgender people, in my experience. So it is very, very crucial that you find a therapist who is able to deal with transgender people. I imagine that isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. It's, It's not, because for some reason, and this has been my experience, and it's an absolute nightmare, for some reason, everyone wants to make it about anything but being transgender oh no you're not transgender you're just depressed oh no you're not transgender you you just have anxiety oh no maybe you might have schizophrenia you're just uh, delusional that kind of way and it's an absolute nightmare it's so frustrating it's frustrating trying to convince society or the genital pu- or genital public the genital public <laughs> I like it uh, keep that one the genital public the genital public the genital public oh my goodness um, the pubic at large <laughs> oh goodness great. good pun good okay pun. so carry on yes let's keep that in so it's so frustration trying to convince the general public <laughs> that you're a transgender but whenever you have to convince the people who will help you medically transition and they just don't want to believe you they just don't they just want to make it something else and i'm not sure if it's because they don't understand themselves or they just can't really be bothered and it's a lot of paperwork it's it really isn't though it really Probably no really more isn't. paperwork than schizophrenia is <laughs> exactly exactly like it really really isn't whether you're believed that's step one mm. so what's step two well after the gender therapist gives the go ahead you get uh, referred on to an endocrinologist and that is someone who deals with hormones so they will prescribe you the hormones that's really the first step of it even though it's in reality it's the third step it could be very many well, steps down the line you know exactly i wouldn't really say it would be there's no third or fourth step some people do choose to start medically transitioning before they come out as transgender, so they look more like their desired. So it's easier to pass, I guess, so when it's they easier. want to socially mm, transition. Yeah, for themselves. So there's not really any direct way, because everyone has a different way. It's really everyone's specific choice how they want to go about it. In my case, it was experience. the third step, even though it's the first step medically. Well, most transgender people don't get surgeries, which I was quite shocked by in the media where we only see mm. 
the transgender people, for example, Caitlyn Jenner, Lord. who <laughs> has gotten every single surgery under the sun, which there is nothing wrong with. But that's a that's another thing where we're kind of expected to get surgeries. I can't uh, count the amount of times people have told me to get a nose job because my nose is too masculine or my jaw is too masculine or my brow bone or how I should get breast implants and do this and do that and get butt injections and it's an awful lot of pressure to put on someone. It's an awful lot of money. And an awful lot of money, that's another thing. (laughs) It's so expensive, so ridiculously expensive. Especially, you know, when it's not their decision. Exactly, exactly. Mm. But there really is such a pressure to get surgery, get every single surgery and everyone always focuses on the surgery I'm pretty sure everyone knows what I'm talking about yes. which is gender reassignment not everyone wants to get that it's their own choice that would really be seen as the last step mm. that's a big question to ask because I always ask myself when will I ever stop transitioning and I don't think there ever will be a time there's always going to be something that's a terrifying think. undertaking staying with this theme what are we not told about the transitioning process? Something that was, surprised you. How much of a shock it would be to switch gender roles from male to female. Hmm. And I wouldn't say it's worse being a male or a female. I would say it's just different. Because there's a lot of TERFs who exclude trans women because they haven't experienced the full life as a woman from birth which just isn't fair because it's not my fault that I was born male it's not my fault it was completely out of everyone's control but they see transgender women as men who are trying to be better women than actual women Mm -hmm. which is very very annoying oh it's just so it's so stupid it's so stupid the gender roles are so so different it really was quite a shock and i'm not sure if it's just this is just a unique situation for being a transgender woman but from what i've found there's the expectations from both genders is really it's really quite something the way that i act and i have to walk a certain way and i have to look a certain way whereas a man can just get up out of bed with scruffy hair, throw on like dirty clothes and no one will say boo. But Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but if I have an eyebrow hair out of place and I'm reprimanded for it now, presenting as female, I think that's a, a mutual experience of all women, really. It just sounds like so much effort. It is a lot of effort. It is. Just to be who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I wouldn't be allowed to be anything but hyper-feminine at all times. If I just walked in now with facial hair because I, d- I decided not to shave today, no one would address me as a woman. No one. There's been quite a few times where mainly my beard shadow, that's the only thing that mainly gives me away to people or what they say to me. But if my beard shadow is showing and people were addressing me with female pronouns they start suddenly addressing me with male pronouns just because of this one little thing as a transgender female you're not allowed to be anything but hyper feminine at the same time you get bashed for being hyper feminine because Mm. you're reinforcing a traditional gender stereotype so you can't bloody win really as a trans woman what really annoys you in the community LGBTQ plus. Oh my lord. Plus, plus, yeah. Yeah, the plus work. Plus, yeah, because I, I like can't LGBTQIA. Yeah. <laughs> what really annoys you in the community? One of them would be what we've just been discussing this dichotomy between needing to be feminine but also being bashed for being feminine because you're conforming to the stereotype which has been imposed upon you by these people, the very people who are bashing you. I just want to clarify as well that I'm only speaking from my unique experience Mm. and a transgender woman's experience. I would be an open-minded person. I would consider myself an open-minded person. And if I don't understand something, I just accept that 
with non-binary, for example, and all these other types of genders, I don't understand them, but I will be courteous and I will address people how they want to be addressed and I'll just leave it at that. I was reading this list of genders, which I showed you yesterday, a list of genders from A to Z. It was absolutely exhausting and some of them made no sense whatsoever and had nothing to do with gender at all. That's the one thing that annoys me about the social justice warrior type of people. They expect everyone to fully understand and accept these totally ridiculous ideas. Like the idea of, of this woman oh, yes. that you were talking about in America. Um, transracial. The transracial phenomenon. Rachel yeah, but no one, yeah, no one really buys that. No one in America is supporting that. Everyone in America is like, you can't do that. Is, is that racist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like everyone's pretty much in agreement that it is. I think why people are so pissed off is because she has been white, or she is white, and she has been portraying herself as white for most of her life in America which we know like there's a lot of racism an awful lot of racism mm -hmm. so I think people are so angry because she has declared herself as transracial and she's been living a life of white privilege people are just seeing her with this really dark fake tan and African-American hairstyles people especially the black community are so pissed off because they're just seeing it as a fashion statement Hmm. which is honestly how I kind of see it too because I was watching the film on Netflix about Rachel Dolezal and it did get me thinking because all the arguments that are used against her for being transracial are the same arguments that are used against transgender people I always get you're not a real woman because you don't get periods you don't go through menopause or you can't give birth. With the Rachel Dolezal person, all the arguments that are being used against her is you can't be black because you haven't experienced life as a black person. You haven't the Even exact the skin same... pigmentation mm. argument rings true. Oh, do you know what? I just think it's stupid. I really, really do. And I do think it's quite racist to fake tan yourself and call yourself black. Like, come on. They got into a lot of trouble <laughs> doing that in the early... Do you remember the black and white minstrel show? They got oh, yeah, like blackface. So, I mean, the whole point of that is, is that it's, you know, white people who are taking, like, the black image and using it for their own purposes. Like, it's, it's taking away, like, that whole, like, the entire culture of black individuals and trying to make it into just, like, a joke for white people. Yeah. And, like, Rachel Dolezal was in trouble because she was white she didn't have to grow up experiencing anything like that and then she yeah. became like the spokesperson for the NAACP chapter and mm -hmm. claimed that several hate crimes had been committed against her when that's a trouble that she never has to deal with essentially mm. the question behind this is where do we draw the line <laughs> years ago there was a line drawn at transgender that's the thing the argument being presented against her is the same argument which is being presented against trans people. So the question is, in years to come, will we envisage a world where transracial is acceptable or are there universally ridiculous principles? I don't think the arguments are the same that are being presented against Rachel Dolezal okay. or being presented against the trans community. They're not the same, ago. but they come from the same premise. They would be more similar than exactly the same. Yeah. Like the similarities, especially with the you haven't experienced life as a black person from birth. My brain matches the structure of a female brain rather than a male brain. That's just how like I am born. That's just how it is. It's not like I just woke up and was like, oh, I, I, I want to be pretty. I want to be a girl. There's no want. It's just I am. That's it. But we're talking about skin pigmentation here. That's interesting because skin pigmentation is something with which you are born. Your sex is something with which you are born. These are similar arguments. You're going from the premise that you have something from birth which you can't control. Should you be set in that or should you not? So the arguments are similar, but, 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 there is an additional element which is 
it is incredibly racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Incredibly racist. There is a level of incredulity. It's not a very big leap to think you were born biologically X, but actually you're Y. That's fine. I can deal with that because you're either one or the other. But when you, when you're adding the the sort of when you're adding a a vector, if you will, of of race into this, and it's not even it's not even race as such. It's mm. it's just at at its heart, it's skin pigmentation at the very core, not trying to oversimplify it. You're talking about a physical attribute. A lot of it might have to do with power dynamics still, mm. where it's more white people who are like, I want to transition to being African-American. That, that's what I was going to say. Mm. I was thinking about how would people react if a black person were to be a transracial white person? But we have seen quite a prolific black person become a white person, Michael Jackson. But even uh, then, he uh, was never... He was mocked for his he, skin pigmentation. He was mocked. I don't think back then these terms were even in the dictionary. I don't think they were, That we're no. talking about today. I mean, like, Michael Jackson was still, like, one of the most successful performers, like, one of the most wealthy and most well-respected, you know, black individuals. His entire process of becoming more white was still met with derision and mockery by every single person. You know, true. in the media, even to this day, people still make jokes about it. And this is like the, the, the perhaps the most accepted black man in the white world. And he couldn't get in. Well, that excluding is... Wayne Brady, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wayne, just had to, had to help you out there. <laughs> You're right. It, it, is, it is quite phenomenal what Michael Jackson achieved, especially in this sort of pre- pre-lexical, if you will, but before we even had words to describe this process. And we're not even sure if that was what Michael Jackson's point was. Exactly. That, um, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, did he ever declare himself as, I'm um, a white so. person or so. a Because we didn't even have the words to describe Well, that. I don't even know if he ever intended to do that. Yeah, no. yeah. But like, that's the closest we've come, mm. probably, to someone transitioning to be white. I mean, mm. a lot of people pass white, or pass, like, biracial, especially in America, not that many people officially transition, I guess, to be white, which makes it very weird. Uh, it's like the movie Get Out. I don't know if any of you have seen that. Like, the no. whole point of that movie is essentially that white people are, like, buying the black bodies to transition their minds into because that's hip, that's cool. And so it isn't about identifying with that or understanding the experience, but it could be cool to be black. It's so odd. It is quite odd. So odd. No, no, I feel like whenever you draw a line on any issue, eventually yeah, you're, you're kind yeah. of proven to be a bigot of some sort. Mm. So we shouldn't draw lines and we're not going to. Let's lighten the subject. What else really annoys you? I mean, I suppose that the M word comes into it, which is misgendering. Misgendering. Which we talked have, about a little bit. I have a rule because transgenderism it's really still quite new and not everyone knows about it which is perfectly fine i have a rule to stop myself being constantly offended if someone says something to me that upsets me misgendering for example if they call me sir or he or him something like that then i'll politely correct them because now they know maybe they didn't know and now they know if they continue to call me by male pronouns and refer to me as male, then that's whenever I get upset because you're just completely, you're being so rude and ignoring everything that I'm standing for. It's a good application of Hamlon's razor. <laughs> Never attribute to malice what can be explained by ignorance. Oh, very good. What's dating been like? The dating world has probably been the worst part so far the worst part even worse than hormone therapy misgendering oh my god from my understanding there's a lot of the bigotry when it comes to dating as trans yeah do you have to tell someone up front that you're transgender mm -hmm. or that's like... the thing like honestly the dating world is really quite scary because you just don't know when you're going to be met with violence yeah you I mean, really don't Hundreds of trans people die every year in America, at least. You know, it's it's rarely covered in the news, but like that's just the number that we have. But mm -hmm. violence against trans women is very high, as you said. You never know when people could get violent when they hear about it. Exactly. 
the choice that I have to make is online dating. I have two choices, which is either to put up front that I am transgender or not say that I'm transgender. And there's pros and cons to both. Saying I am transgender, that's it out of the way. That's like, I don't have to, they don't have to question it. I don't have to worry about like, well, what if they do? What will they do if they find out that I'm transgender? Or the cons with that, as soon as you say that you're transgender, your dating pool is suddenly very limited Mm. and you're met by chasers, people who fetishize trans women they only want to go out with trans women because they are trans and that is all they see. And you can't build a relationship with a person like that. How can you build a relationship with someone who just views you as a fetish? They don't see you. They, they see don't only... see you as a human. They see you as a, a sex doll, basically, to be so crass. That is basically what you're seen as. But then the other option where you don't clarify that you're a transgender Whenever I don't clarify it, I'm suddenly getting a lot more matches and a lot more people talking to me because, well, I'm lucky enough to pass quite well, especially in pictures. No one really can tell unless I'm standing in a picture with someone so they can see my height, but no one can really tell. It's quite dangerous in that aspect. People get very violent about it, especially men. There's this... It's like a defensive masculinity, it's like which is its say. This very fragile masculinity. Sorry to use those terms. I hope I didn't damage mm-hmm. yours. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm but... <laughs> He's got a pretty resilient masculinity. Definitely. <laughs> Most men are actually afraid to go out with transgender women. And they have told me up front because they think that they'll be seen as gay. That doesn't make sense to me and it, honestly yeah, it's very them. it's very offensive and it's quite belittling because then i'm reduced to genitalia basically mm-hmm. because that is what people see that is the only thing that people see especially in the dating world it just doesn't make sense because if a man looks at my pictures and thinks this is a very pretty person i want to date that person you do say so yourself if I do say so myself, but <laughs> if a man looks at my pictures and thinks I want to date that person, does that make him gay? No, I shouldn't think so. Why should you not think so? Well, because you're a woman, and a man dating a woman typically is not homosexual behaviour. Exactly. Also, you know, it's a, it's a scale, sexuality. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't see what the big deal about being seen as gay is, so that's why it mm. annoys me even further. Because it's not a big deal, but that's going into another thing. But anytime like masculinity is like threatened. Yes, yes. You never know what could happen, Mm -hmm. like what the reaction of a man would be. Exactly. The amount of times I I put on my profiles that I am transgender, I'm very open about it. But for some reason, and I think this is just men, they don't read the profile. And it's so annoying because I'll be thinking like, oh, this person is very friendly and we're getting on great, like having great conversation. And then halfway through, they'll say, oh, wait, you're transgender. And I'm like, yes, because I have it very clearly written. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, my God, some of the stuff that they come out with is just so horrid. It's really, really horrid. And that's why I'm so open about it online. Imagine if I were to not disclose the fact that I was trans and I went on a dinner date with said man who then something clicked in him and realised that I was transgender and that threatened his masculinity, how would he react? Yeah, it's very dangerous. It's Mm -hmm. very, very dangerous. And that is the two choices that we're really left with is either do we choose to be fetishised or do we choose to risk our lives? For a date, and that is really the reality of it. Don't risk it. Okay, so leading on from that is the last real question, which is what what not what should we avoid saying or doing around trans people? Don't ask them about their genitals. Number one. That is number one. For some reason, 
people think it is okay to come up and ask me, do I have a penis or a vagina? Which I just think is so, oh my goodness, like I would never ever walk up to anyone and ask them anything about... You wouldn't, it's such a bizarre question. It is. Even people who I've thought are very mannerly and polite have also asked me these questions as if it's okay. And it's not okay. It's absolutely not okay to ask anyone what surgeries they've had or what their downstairs area looks like or how they have sex. I can't I can't fathom why people would think it's okay to ask me a deeply personal and sensitive question, but they would never even think in a million years to ask a cisgender person, why is it different for me? I get that people have a curiosity, but keep it to yourself. <laughs> there are more organic ways to find out. Mm, exactly. Get to know someone first. <laughs> yes. I haven't said, At least take them out for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> I mean, you're, in the dating world, you wouldn't ask that to anyone. You would never. You just wouldn't. I, mean, I don't know. I haven't dated for a long time, but you just don't. You wouldn't ask anyone. Exactly. You just wouldn't weird, ask anyone. Weird question. Imagine if that was like something you did on every day. Yeah. Hi, good morning. Genitals. Tell me about your genitals. Weird. You wouldn't get a lot of follow-up dates. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been a really insightful and clarifying podcast actually well, so i'm glad thank you very much for being here effie thank you for having me thank you adonis for being here i hope you've enjoyed it and so a lot of new things wonderful well, that's the point that Thanks, is Hush. the point all the way from alicante all the way from texas alicante a strange restaurant which i do not recommend <laughs> and thank you bahashka that's it for me any last words the genital public the genital <laughs> thanks everyone for attending and uh see you next time